Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. And it's the Minterview episode, as some wit on Zwiftcast listeners cleverly christened it. The annual sit-down with Zwift CEO Eric Min. Before we start, a word about transparency. As regular listeners will know, the Zwiftcast is supported by Zwift. And let's drop the euphemism. I'm paid to make it. But I also have a clause in my contract guaranteeing editorial independence, which means, as we say every episode, I decide what goes in the podcast, not Zwift. Again, as I've said before, this, I feel, is an enlightened approach by Zwift, and it allows me to talk about all the things that are important to the community, and this interview will be no exception. I do think Zwift deserves appreciation for this. I've supplied a list of questions and topics to Eric before this interview, and that's because I want, and the community deserves, considered answers. Eric has prepared for this interview, partly, I think, because he recognises its importance to the community, but mainly because he always prepares for everything. No topics are off limits, no restrictions have been placed on me. Parts of the interview will be challenging. The community and the company enjoy a close relationship, and that means those kind of questions can and should be asked. Right, enough of all that. Let's crack on. Hi, Eric, and thanks for making the time. You know, this is the fifth time we've done this. Uh, hi, Simon. Yeah, this is, uh, it's gone by pretty fast, hasn't it? It has, and in fact, we're sitting in, uh, well, we're not in Zwift's new offices, but we're in Zwift's new building. I mean, London has always had an important part to play in Zwift's global presence, but the new home, what does that signify? Well, we've jumped around quite a bit in, in London. Um, we started this business out of a, a little office um, that accommodated two people. And I remember telling the other person, don't show up. There's not enough room for both of us. <laughs> so we've grown from there to a slightly bigger shoebox. And, and now we've got an office uh, in this new building that can accommodate 65 people, which is... Um, uh, which is a pretty big jump from our previous office, double the space. And, and another sign of just how far we've, we've come in five years. Um, so, so thanks for, for actually continuing to make the time to, to answer these questions, many of which come from the community, and some of which I think will be quite challenging. But, you know, you, you're, you're willing to do that, and I think it's much appreciated. So many good interviewers start off with a bit of a, an underarms serve before we start with the Roger Federer stuff. So here's the Patsy question for you, Eric. What's brought you the most joy since the last time we spoke at length? And that was about 15 months ago. I think um, I can point to the growth of our community. Um, it has grown. Um, so that's a strong sign that we're doing some things well. Uh, it leaves room for plenty of uh, improvement. We, we do recognize that. We've, you know, we've raised a lot of capital that gives us the resources to make some of the longer-term investments. Um, we've grown our staff. We're about 320 globally. Um, and we're definitely in a better position to, to execute. You know, so from my perspective, we've got all the ingredients to start delivering on the promise that we've, uh, we've made. And, um, but we recognize this is not going to happen in a sprint. I mean, just to absorb the 150 people that we've hired is an enormous, um, you know, uh, uh, amount of work. It, 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 it doesn't convert to twice the productivity. 
And it's all the it's all the things that we are doing behind the scenes. We have more people uh, globally. We are working on more projects than ever, and the complexities of running our business is is uh, is you know is something that we're we're dealing with. Um, these are all the things that you know consumers and customers and community they just don't see. But these are things that that are keeping us quite busy. And all of this is really a down payment on a company that will operate more effectively in, into the future. Some might say that sounds like jam tomorrow. I'm oh, sorry, what does that mean? Well, it means that, that you know, that the promises are made that things will happen faster and we'll get on to kind of pace of development. And that, to be honest, that's been a recurring three theme of our interviews over the years, actually, is the, the difficulty of onboarding people and that productivity doesn't increase immediately I mean do you see an end to that process I do um, it's taken a while to to you know bring in the right people at the right scale and you know it, we've grown we've grown across the entire business um, we've launched new um, departments and have to had to staff up those departments and then ensuring that all those departments are working in collaboration and in, in coordination with all the things that are happening uh, it's it's a it's a lot of work. Um, so I think all the key pieces are in place now, and now it's really about just like tuning the engine. You know, that's all the behind the scenes stuff that that we have to deal with. But this is part of uh, the painful, um, you know, the the, the realities of, of a growing business. And, and I think people will accept that. L- let's talk about Pete Swift. I mean, it's the only metric that's publicly available. Um, it's the only metric that we as Zwifters can use to look at maybe the growth and the health of the company. And we don't know that it's an, a metric that is fully accurate for those purposes. But it's the only metric we've got. Using that, growth appears to have slowed from about 50% year on year to about 25% year on year. And that's my back of the fag packet percentages. I'm sure you've got the data that, that will maybe show that's the case more accurately or maybe even something different. And that's been despite what looks to have been a big marketing spend that this year i mean is is that accurate has growth slowed and is that expected so we've uh, grown actually close to 40 percent um so not 50 um and, and those are big numbers to grow year after year uh, but in absolute terms we've onboarded more more uh zwifters this this winter than ever before so what does that mean eric that means more zwifters more, have joined yeah, the program yeah. than ever in before absolute in absolute terms absolutely um just as a percentage it's it's tougher to uh to to replicate previous years um it's still a ton of people coming through the front door um and um uh i think uh I think we're reasonably happy in terms of the marketing. We are still, you know, experimenting different channels. Um, we think the the investment that we made in broadcast is working, um, and we decided to do broadcasting during the peak months when people are most interested in cycling. So th- this was the big, high-profile, high visibility. This was our fun is fast campaign, and I think that's worked pretty well for us. Um, and you'll see you'll see more of that. It makes sense for us to to continue to promote you know the the brand, the community, you know what Swift is year round. You know we're experimenting. We're seeing which channels work for us, um, what resonates with, well with people who are cyclists, those who are runners, and um, and I think over time we will you know find how to find we will learn how to fine tune that 
and be more you know um, uh, efficient and um, but we you know we're not spending money on marketing to be wasteful we're doing this to understand what works um, and that was part of the strategy for the for this year I'm, I'm sure it's much more accurate in these days of digital but you know that there's that old saying from the director of marketing I'm wasting 50% of my marketing budget I just problem is I don't know which 50% it is it's probably still true it's probably still true because uh, you know we're uh, it's interesting in our business uh, you know the summers are the lowest the low seasons for us right that's when we're putting a big down payment on marketing and you, we have to wait another six months to see the the fruits of all that labor and that is that is not um, uh, direct response marketing right it's seed sowing it's, it's, seed sowing, it's brand building yeah. It's creating awareness, top of the funnel stuff, um, and then you hope people will show up when they're ready to to engage with with our our service. This cycle now has run to completion in that we had a big high visibility spend around the Grand Tours last year, and then there's been more Zwifters through the door this. So the, the evidence suggests that thus far it does look as though it's working if you are saying more Zwifters than ever before have joined the platform. Yes, it's, it's definitely working. Could it be more efficient? Yeah, of course, like any other business. Um, but uh, we, we, we believe that broadcast does, you know, give us the coverage and the, build the awareness that we need for our peak seasons. Yeah. Let's not get too bogged down in, in marketing because this section of the, of the conversation I'm, I'm trying to keep as general as possible really. So let's move on a little bit. And last time I asked you what kept you up at night, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of things, but you were very specific, actually. You said, and these were your words, making the wrong investment decision. What if that turns out to be eSport? It may very well be, but I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough to make a bet on something that, you know, it's not very clear exactly what the payout is. Um, but what we're trying to do is, um, well, first of all, esports. What we're developing is it's early days. Um, you know, what we're talking about is creating a sport uh, that is super accessible, super affordable. I mean, in so many different ways. The the notion that you could take part in a competitive sport that could be institutionalized, and you could do that from the comfort of that's just that's not possible with any other sport. And so for uh, the national federations, for the, the world governing body, and, f- and even for the IOC, to entertain that is really interesting. New sports, new discipline, they don't come around very often. Yeah. And so for us to create something um, on our platform, um, governed by you know, established organizations, and to give us the credibility as a sport, it's it, what we're trying to create is is um, what other sports have done, and the perfect example is you know people watch Wimbledon, they want to play tennis. People watch the Tour de France, and they want to ride their bikes. And I think we have an opportunity to do exactly that. We can showcase our our sport at the highest level, and then it will inspire people to want to do something that is super accessible, super convenient. And if you think about the trends of in, in, in society, you know, as we think about, you know, my children when, they, when they're 22, 23 years old, they're going to look for their fitness solution. 
Right. They will, they will say five to seven years from now, they will say, what game is going to give me fitness? They're not going to say, well, should I play rugby? Should I play football? Unfortunately, or tennis. It's just, the, the, they're just, there's too much friction in those activities. Well, it may not be one or the other, but what you're saying is that the digital avenue may be a, a valid choice. Absolutely. That's the general trend. It's the general trend of all the other services that we consume, whether it's, you know, entertainment or whether it's like, you know, food delivered to the home. <laughs> more and more things are being done in the home. And fitness just makes sense. I get the rationale. And, and, and obviously the IOC and the UCI get the rationale. I mean, they're very, very supportive of this. But I guess the question I'm asking you, Eric, is this is a really big bet for, for your company to place. People who are pioneers and on the leading edge sometimes get hurt. They're sometimes not the most successful, the first guys to do it. I think there is a real opportunity for us um, to... to uh, take part in the Olympics. Um, the IOC, the moons are aligned from my perspective because the IOC is looking for a digital solution where it checks off a number of things, accessibility, affordability, it's about participation. Um, and, and, and I think Zwift is um, conveniently addresses many of those things. I, I, comp- so, I do see the vision. I yeah. do see the vision. But it's such a big bet for... One company to, to place. It is. It is. And I, I don't. For us, esports is is long term. We just simply want to be the platform. And you know, part of what we're trying to do this year is to is to uh, create the properties that people uh, can understand, whether it's the national championships or the world championships. And there'll be other people who are better at delivering those types of events. We simply want to be the roads of this virtual world. Um, unfortunately, we have to take the leadership position of creating and investing in these things. And that's the betting element. That's that the gamble. That is the betting element. But I see in the future, there will be professional promoters who promote events and they'll f- see us as another product that they can you know, offer to their you know, uh, to their consumers in the form of, you know, I think it'll be in an arena. They can sell sponsorship. They can skin that product the way they can skin their existing, you know, in real life events. Uh, broadcasters, this is, you know, if we can find the talent, if we bring the talent to our events, the broadcast will be interested in, in carrying our content. Um, and so I think, you know, conceptually it works. It's really down to, to us to... Um, to be able to demonstrate that this is something that people would want to invest in. And we have, uh, we do have interesting conversations with, with broadcasters, with event promoters. And, but they're waiting for us to create the product. <laughs> well, look, let's, I, I, we could go down this rabbit hole and stay there for the rest of the interview. I, I find it fascinating. But, but, but let's, let's just put a hold on that subject now. We may return to it later. Again, trying to just keep things, things general and the big developments since, since the last time we spoke. Again, in last year's interview, you indicated that as a CEO, you, and we've kind of touched upon this, that you'd like to see more, more things more quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and this whole issue of onboarding new stuff is inevitably a, a slow process. I mean, I think I probably asked you this, but, but when do you see a, a halt to... to, to I don't want to sound rude here, but trotting that out as an excuse. When do you see that ending? 
the, 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 the development is not as fast as perhaps you would like to see and certainly some Zwifters would like to see because of the process of onboarding Newstown. Right. So when you think about what we do behind the scenes, game is just one element. We have the mobile app, we have the server, we have the web, and we have all the content that goes with it. All of that represents you know, our offering. The game by itself is not... It wouldn't be Zwift. You'd have to combine all those things. So we're, work, we're working across all those different layers of, of, our, of our product. Um, and it's, it's true. The game developers are probably the mo- most precious there, the most highly sought after. Um, it's, not, it's because uh, you know, we happen to be in L.A. where there are AAA you know, game studios, we have the likes of Facebook and Google and Tesla wanting to hire the same people that we do. Um, so we're, it's, it's fierce competition. Um, so, but having said that, we, we are hiring more people. Um, and, um, you know, it, we are working on some pretty chunky projects. And those chunky projects is in the form of the UI work that we're, we've been talking about and the, um, and the, uh, the club functionality. We either deliver these things going into the season or coming out of it. You do not put this into market, <laughs> you know, in the hands of the community during the onboarding season. It's too risky. I see. So okay. we missed that window. I see. And so what we're doing is like just rescoping it and saying, okay, well, we'll just add more and then deliver it at the tail end. You don't deliver this in January when you know new customers are coming. Team is working on the product. It's just you won't see it until we come out of the season. Some Zwifters will say, and they're probably people who don't work in the games industry or even in the digital business, but, but they're the, the voice of the customer. They say, OK, Eric, I completely get that trying to hire games developers in LA is really tough because there's loads of people who pay much more money and work on more prestigious games. So why don't you open a development centre in Romania or London or, you know, it, these other centres of digital excellence where there are some very, very highly skilled people. It's just adding more complexity. Um, I think if we fail to grow the team out of Long Beach, we have to look at augmenting it. Um, it just adds more you know, management overhead. But yeah, we, we might have to consider that. It doesn't have to be in Romania. It could be in Portland. It could be in Seattle. It could be in Vancouver. It could be in the same time zone. So I think we're getting to a stage where uh, we could start entertaining those, those ideas. We're trying to... Um, I mean, these are precious resources. And so the things that the game team used to do, we're trying to pull out and move it to server or move it to mobile, move it to web just so that the game team is focused on, like, gameplay. I guess what the community wants to hear you acknowledge, and I think you have done, is that you would like things to happen faster. Of course, of course. I mean, this is... I think everyone at the company would like to see things happen faster, you know, because we've done, uh, as part of all this hiring, some reorganization. We're kind of setting ourselves up for for scale. The Um, foundation. The foundation, exactly. So... The kind of changes that we've made internally as an organization is something um, a company of, of a thousand staff would invest in. Um, it's just far more expensive to make those changes when you have a thousand employees than when you have 300. But we're making those tr- changes uh, at a pretty young, um, uh, at a pretty pretty early on in our uh, life, and. Uh, 
but we think that you know we'll just reap the benefits further down the road. I, I think that's been well explained now. Um, again, harking back to last year's, the problem with you giving me these interviews, Eric, is I can throw last year's back at you now, you see. Sure. <laughs> this is not too difficult, I don't think. But in last year's interview, you said, we'd prefer not to build a Zwift smart bike, but if the trainer companies won't help us, we'll help ourselves. So is the new Zwift hardware division Zwift helping themselves? Um, I think that's that's pretty strong. I, th- I think we view ourselves as in a great position to really highlight what Zwift can be, both from a hardware and software perspective. I think we're in an uh, interesting position to, to innovate that experience. Um, so we want to be in that leadership position. We want to set the tone of like what is possible. And that requires us to make some hardware that we're We've assembled a world-class team, um, and um, we have some interesting ideas about what that experience could look like across not just cycling. I mean, we we view ourselves as a fitness company. And so we have a a portfolio of ideas in in our minds about what Zwift can be in the future, and we need to set the tone. We don't need to make all this equipment um, and all this hardware. There's an established industry that can make all these things, that do make all these things. They've just never had a reason to innovate. So is there an analogy here that you you know these, I mean, I don't know much about cars, I don't really like cars very much, but you you know when you see, there are these companies that kind of attach themselves to prestige car brands. So there's one that attaches itself to Mercedes. They don't make cars, but they kind of tweak Mercedes cars. No, I, I think we're more than that. I think we should be able to make some of this hardware ourselves um, but we want to stay open and encourage the industry to to invest alongside us and you know make products that work well with Zwift so I think the perfect example and I'm not by any means saying that we're, we're, we're like Google uh, but Google is a perfect example of they own a platform they've got Android they make Google phones or Google devices and you've got the big manufacturers, whether they're Samsung, Huawei, LG, they make all, you know, competing, you could say, but you've got, you've got, uh, um, you know, Google kind of innovating on the hardware side. They feel that they need to have some of that hardware presence. And I think we're doing the same thing um, because we can, we can, because we know the game, we can think about what the hardware could potentially do. We absolutely want the established industry to to make more of the, that type of uh, uh, hardware that's compatible with Swift. It, it makes sense for us because it's it's going to help us with distribution, right? Rather than have this closed you know um, closed ecosystem that you know Apple has, for example. So we're taking the Android you know strategy versus the Apple strategy. Yeah. But the hardware division is, is clearly going to make some hardware. Yes. I mean, if you had to guess, what would be the first product that would roll out? I mean, logic says a smart bike. From not, uh, not necessarily. I think we'll start smaller and then we'll go from there. I mean, again, the hardware division is, is a long-term investment. It is not something that, you know, we don't, we don't have to win from day one. Um, but I think... Uh, yeah, I, th- I do expect us to sell some number of, of devices every year, um, but I think it's equally important that we are encouraging the rest of the industry to also invest and make 
products that are compatible with Zwift. But it must be tricky managing those relationships with somebody like Wahoo. If you, if you're kind of you are moving into their space, I mean, I can't imagine Chip's thrilled. Nice guy though he is. I think I think he'll be fine, um, and I, because I think you know if Wahoo continues to innovate, they'll do well. You know, it's taken them ten years to build their business. Um, we're not. We're not being um, unrealistic about what it takes to build a, a, a great hardware business. But I think at the same time, we're in a great position to showcase what hardware could do with Zwift because we can, you know, we can see what we can potentially do with our product. Do you know what the first product's going to be and are you going to tell me? I would say that it's catering to cyclists first, um, but we're already thinking about other modalities um, so I think you can think about, you know, Zwift being a single input experience. What if you have multiple inputs? So that's, that's, a, that's a hint. <laughs> um, it could be features like that. Some of the features that customers are crying for, I think. Um, accuracy is, is another area that needs to be solved. And also the other thing that, you know, concerns me is... Um, the consistency of what customers experience across the different trainers, we need to nail that because I think people are getting a little bit um, fixated on max wattage when there's no real um, benchmark for what that really means. And I'd, I'd like a third party to certify what that really means. Because there's peak power, and then can you sustain that for five? And then the, the accuracy across the entire power curve. Like this is, that's where I don't think consumers are calling out on the, on the manufacturers. Yeah. And I know you've tried to build this alliance amongst trainer companies, but in the end, they're, they're rival businesses. I mean, clearly, they, you know, lots of rival businesses work together in a trade association. But is the hardware division an attempt to kind of, to some extent, unify and standardize the industry and bring together common problems that may have a common solution. We need to raise the bar on the hardware side because guess who's taking the brunt of the support issues? You are. Yes. Mm. And I'm not particularly happy about that because that costs us real money. And so um, we need to set the bar high for ourselves, but at the same time we're setting that bar for the rest of our, our partners who need to build great reliable products so that you know our customers also have great experience one example would be the wired option yeah you know and 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 plus was never designed for indoor activity it was for outdoor activity where there's less interference so i think we're going back to the world of computrainer we've got the wired device and, and you know admittedly the computrainer experience was pretty good it was clunky because there are lots of wires but Guess what? It it's, plays a pretty important role. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think that the market is still very big, um, and collectively we need to serve the the same consumers. So it's in everyone's best interest to to collaborate, have standards, and raise the bar for quality. Okay. Um, I want to move on to to some stuff that's come. I mean, a, a lot of that's come from the community, and I hope it's of interest to the community. But this has come directly from the community. 
and it's the sort of things you see on Zwift riders day after day after day. So here we go, Eric, start for 10. Can you explain tra the trainer difficulty setting in 20 seconds or less? I mean, <laughs> this causes so, so much confusion in the community. There has to be a way of fixing this. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm open to suggestions, right? But it took me a little while to understand this as well. But basically what it is, is for me, I set it to 50%. And what that means is when I go uphill, instead of a 10% grade, I'm really noticing a 5% grade, which means that I can operate in a bigger gear. But conversely, and this is where it's more important, when I go down a 10% grade, by setting it at 50%, it's really a 5% grade, which allows me to use more of my gears. At 10%, I'll spin out faster. So it's necessary to be in game but the confusion is just I, immense yeah, around it. I yeah. mean, what's the fix for that? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I have not given that much, much thought. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Eric Schlang has done a pretty good job of communicating, but I'm, I'm sure not everyone reads his, uh, his blog about what that actually means. I, I guess another way to, to communicate this is like, what kind of gears do you want? <laughs> but then that depends on what kind of gears they actually have on their bike. It's a little complicated, um, but I think we can do this with, with language. Simon, I'm going to take notes on this podcast. And Eric is actually writing this yeah, down. I'm write so, this down. So there we go, community. That is a, a, you know, a concrete example of a direct line to the CEO who's taking a note about this. And whilst he's writing that, I'm going to ping another one, I assume. Eric, um, I mean, you know, we've talked about esports. We may well come back to it. One of its strengths of, uh, as an idea is this fantastic accessibility it grants to cycling to people who may not otherwise be able to access the sport. And a super example of that is, is, is juniors, you know, because people, parents particularly worry about dangers out on the road and all of that kind of stuff. So you don't really need me to explain it to you. G given that, couldn't Swift do more to facilitate juniors racing on the platform? So uh, just to be clear, we give away with to kids under 16 with parental consent. Um, actually, in, in Europe, you don't even need parental consent. We, we, we just need um, acknowledgement that they're, they're young, I, I believe so. Um, but uh, there's, there's privacy issues that we have to be really yeah. careful about. Um, in the US, there's COPA, there's, there's GDPR in general, um, and it's just an area that we just need to be really careful about. Um, I think the federations are best place to do this. So, so just in to back up, context. yeah, in a racing context, yeah, I mean, we we are onboarding about three hundred juniors a week. Right. We have thousands of juniors. Okay, okay. that's interesting. But um, the federations, uh, particularly if they are governing them, um, they're in much better positions. And as we, you know, bring out club functionality, federations can bring the juniors together and have their own private events. So we need the infrastructure, digital infrastructure, to make sure that this happens in, in a compliant way. Club functionality, for, I mean, for people for whom this is a new phrase, I mean, this is just going to grant an immense amount of power to the community, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the club functionality concept is so simple, but it's super, super powerful because of just a couple of key features. And it's how you're going to find the content that works for you. You know, whether you're a junior or, you know, you want to be a bike racer or is it a show, social event. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. But getting back to the juniors, we think the, um, the parents, we think the uh, um, 
the, the federation, national federations are a much better position to create these racing leagues than, than we are. But and the, the club functionality will, will basically yes, enable absolutely. that. Absolutely, because there will be a concept of private events. It takes away all those compliance issues or, 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 or puts, puts the compliance issues in the hands of the organisers rather than the platform. Exactly. And this is something we just have to be careful about um our you know well, our general counsel is yeah, yeah yeah it's real and we need to we need to adhere to those laws yeah. okay well we'll talk maybe a little bit more about club functionality but i, I think for people who don't under, understand the concepts because it's only a, a phrase at the moment and there's been no demonstration of it i mean the things that that is going to allow the community to do are kind of the things that the community is demanding to be able to do i think um, and one of those, that, which leads us on to the next question, really, you know, perhaps the second most popular post, certainly amongst the competitive community, is about Zwift enforcing race categorization. So preventing this terrible thing, whereas if you're a relatively new Zwifter and you want a race and you get you enter a Cat C or a Cat D and you find it full of sandbaggers, it's full of people who are, should be two cats higher. And the community says, why, oh, why does Swift not do something about this and enforce categorization? And I think there's a perception, Eric, that that, that Swift is too timid with its users. Lots of other games have much more strict and much more rigorous set of sanctions to stop the experience being spoiled for people, which often it is, actually, if you if you sit in a race full of sandbaggers. Right. What, what, why don't you do more on right. that? So, so we'd have to carefully separate the sandbaggers from those who um, just miscalibrated, misca- or, yeah, yeah. miscalibrated or are new to yeah. Swift or, you know, you know we, we haven't well, localized in their language and they don't understand what E versus A versus B mean. And so... We, we'd have to make sure that they all have the right experience. Are people taking advantage of the category? I'm sure they are, right? And, you know, some people are more qualified, but they just like the convenience of winning a lower category. <laughs> there are people like that, I, you know. And I think there is a short-term solution and a longer-term solution. The long, I'll talk about the longer-term solution first, which is, I think what happens in the real world probably works pretty well, which is like you're new, you start from the entry category, you work your way up because you've got proven... You amass points and you move you up. Amass yeah. You amass yeah. points and, right, and you get the experience, etc. I think that makes a lot of sense for us as a long-term solution. As a short-term solution, I think it's very difficult for us to prevent. Like I know who is, who is that sandbagger versus someone who just doesn't know, right? just naive. And, and the solution that we could potentially implement is that um, if you're clearly performing outside of that category, is you're obviously in an A when you're in a B race or obviously a B when you're in a C race. Because you've got that data. You have that rider's data. We do, but like even that you have to be careful, right? Um, because like what exactly is that parameter? Is it, is it a, you know instantaneous power is it a five minute power is it a 10 minute power (laughs) you know so we have to define that but whatever that is i think a a reasonable short-term solution is don't prevent people from starting but as soon as they hit that trigger whatever that trigger might be we ghost them what that means for everyone else they disappear but from their perspective they don't even know they've been ghosted let them finish their ride 
and then we disqualify them at the end and say, guess yeah, what? But they're, no, but they're no longer participants. They're no longer participants, but they won't know that until they're done. So we're not ruining their experience, but we're not also affecting and ruining everyone else's experience. And I think it, you know, if the message you get at the end of the race is that, you know what? You're too strong for this category, <laughs> rather than you've been disqualified. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's you're just stroking you're someone's ego, right? You're stroking someone's ego, and then and and so, if they want to come back and do it again, we'll ghost them again, right? So I think that is a pretty reasonable, short-term solution that we can implement. It's a pretty smart solution, but what about this this feeling, Eric, that, that Zwift as a company is is very very timid in, in kind of applying some rules to. To its subscribers, that, that you're you're terrified of upsetting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's yeah, a good thing yeah. to be in in some ways. But 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 when that when action or behaviour by a certain type of rider is is spoiling the experience for others, right. then then that surely is an argument for some kind of sanction. Yeah. I think I think you know you're hearing. Um, we have to be really careful of of the vocal versus sure. the masses, right? Um, there are plenty of people who will say this is just for training. It does, you know. I just ignore these people, and there are others who are just get so angry, and um, and so we just need to to manage that. But we get it, and we we're going we're taking action. If we jumped every time someone was vocal in yeah. on on social media, I mean, we wouldn't get anywhere. Some of the other work that we're doing on the racing front is is performance verification. This is what the esports team is doing. And part of that performance verification work we're doing is going to make its way down to the community. So the end state of what we want to see is you could do a community race and through machine learning we know if you're, you know, in the right category or if you're cheating or you, you might have a miscalibrated equipment, all that stuff hopefully will we'll come to light. Uh, but that is a long-term solution. That is not what we have today. The, the, I mean, the, the, the ghosting people who are in the wrong category I mean, is a very elegant solution. And, and you described that as, yeah. as short. Uh, could, could you put a timeline on that? Are we talking weeks or months? Or? Uh, yeah, I think within... I think we... we so we do monthly cycles. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to make it into the, the February. Uh, if it's not February, it'll be March. So that is really yeah, it's, it's really yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's just it's a matter of uh, scheduling the work. Um, but these are, I I wouldn't characterize them as big changes. But we have to schedule it. We have to test it, build it, test it, and and then roll it out. Um, so I think in the, within the next two cycles, it'll be in there. You raised an interesting issue just in that last answer, really, which was that some of the developments in the eSport projects are going to percolate down and actually improve the general user experience. So this makes this next question seem a bit weird, really. But could the opposite be the case? Could it be that eSport is actually a huge distraction for the company and is actually a, a, a focus on eSport could actually act counter to the general user experience. And I mean things like, I mean, clearly eSport is soaking up a lot of time and resource and brain power. And there is a perception, again, amongst a very small number of people, but this is a perception that like long running bugs don't get fixed because you're too busy with eSport. I, I think that is a misconception. So I th let's wind that back up a bit. 
Um, when we did the last round, we raised 120 million dollars. It was not earmarked for esports. Yeah, yeah. That's just what the media wanted to talk it about. It was, and that there is a widespread perception that every yeah. cent of that money has been spent on esports. It's just what the media wants to talk about because it's sexy. But that is not what we did. Now, are we investing in esports? Absolutely. Is it? Does it? Is it going to tie up most of that capital? Absolutely not. Um, why are we investing in esports? Well, I, I think we, t- we just talked about that earlier. But esports is meant to highlight the best of what the community, you know, what best of what the community um, enjoys. So there is nothing that we should be doing in esports that's not already available to, um, to the community. The one exception might be the points racing, which we can do as part of esports. But that is a feature that's going to make its way down to the community. But in general, we should be showcasing what you can do in the community already, what the community enjoys doing, and then showcasing that with the, the, the best talent. Um, on the, you know, as part of esports and part of institutionalizing and making a legitimate sport, obviously we need to have rules and regulations. We need to have performance verification. We need to have hardware certification. And these are all things that will make its way down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, eSport is meant to enhance the overall experience of of Frizzwift. I mean, for me, eSports is is the idea that just about anyone could, could become an athlete. So the average Zwifter who's sitting at home reading the media, which both of us know have got this wrong, but the average Zwifter sitting at home thinks, oh, they don't care about me, I don't race, they're spending all this money in eSport, they've forgotten the ordinary Zwifter. You would contend that's wholly, wholly wrong. Well, it's like someone watching Wimbledon and, and you know, expecting them to be a competitive tennis player. It's not, just not true. You watch Wimbledon because it's it's a sport that it's an activity you enjoy, and you get to see the best uh, you know athletes compete in that activity that you enjoy. But you don't go out the next day and, and start competing. You go and play that activity. You you, you you play tennis. So it's the same thing with Zwift. I don't see it being a conflict. Um, it helps to legitimize what we're doing, um, but esports is is meant to help promote Zwift. To the benefit of the entire platform, right? We're using esports as a media channel to promote Zwift. But it's not a distraction. It is not. To answer that point, that's why we've set up the the organization in such a way that esport is a is a horizontal business. It's got a leader. That's Craig Edmondson. Who comes from it's the? Kind of from separate, the it's separate a separate thing, right? It's a separate business. It's it's got a separate team, and you know their ask of the rest of the company is not massive. Yes, there's some engineering work. You can you know think about all the the camera work that we've done as part of the Tortoise Wift, right? All that camera work is going to help the community because the community, well, you know, for community live um, channel, will take advantage of all those tools. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. There, I, don't, I can't think of an investment that we're making on the esports side that won't benefit the wider audience. Okay, I, th- I think that's been well answered. Um, I think we, I think we discuss this every year. I think this is, yeah. I think this is a hardy perennial. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing the community really, really, really seems to want is yeah. a family pricing plan. I mean, we come back to this time and time again. I know that you're about to make 
uh, more of Zwift, more free for more young kids. And, and I know that's the case. But I think what that's different from what people want to say. OK, all four of us together, Zwift in the household, Spotify, loads of other digital services, give me a family plan. Why won't Zwift? Uh, because um, it is, uh, just in terms of priority, it's been lower. Uh, just being very honest about that. Um, it's complicated just to put the controls around. How do we make sure that it's a, it's really a family? <laughs> and and so you know, so you're not you're not opposed in principle. No, it's just one yeah. of the. It's just I got to the bottom of a list somewhere. It, it's really a, you know what's the right solution. And to me, one will we make a smart bike one day? I think we will. Um, a family plan linked to a bike makes a lot of sense in terms of controlling yes. abuse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, those are real, right? Those are real issues, right? <laughs> Um, and so for us to engineer all the work to make sure that this is, this is something that we can actually control, you know, we have to ask ourselves, is that, is that worth, is that the, the investment we should be making versus other investments? For example, you know, it's the same team that would be supporting, you know, acceptance of, um, you know, we just recently rolled out debit card support and there are other payment support. You know, it's the same team. And I, so we just need to weigh what, what's important. It's not to say we won't do a family plan. It's um, when we dug into it, it's, it's more complex. Now, you talk about the world, the, the likes of Spotify and Netflix. These are massive companies with massive resources, and they can pull that off. For us, it's like if we do that, we can't do something else. So it's just a priority issue. It's not a principle issue. No, it's a priority issue. It's about what the, you know, how do we implement it? How do we control it? Because those controls are, are real con concerns. And, um, but in the interim, we said, let's, you know, for those families with children, let's make sure the kids are... Yeah, okay. Again, I, I think that's been well covered. Some of the most widely admired people in the Zwift community are people who... I mean, it takes my breath away sometimes to see how people Zwift with, with, with disabilities or different abilities. I mean, you see some of the things that these people achieve and it's just so 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 admirable so why doesn't why doesn't Zwift make it a bit easier for people who may be suffering a fairly severe disability i'm talking about people like hand cyclists people who might be visually impaired i mean there's a whole kind of raft of people for whom Zwift is an absolute lifeline you know and and they're so admired by the rest of the community can't you do something to make their life a bit easier the answer is yes um and some of the requests that we've seen uh, include, you know, can we make the visuals easier for the, the, the visually impaired folks? Um, can, can we have avatars that reflect the realities of what they, you know, what they do at home? Um, and, and some of these things, I think, some of these things are easier than others. And the answer is yes, we, we plan to do these, especially in light of, of eSports um, and the, the parity that we want, and, and just we general support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really important for, for the Olympic movement. And it's, um, you know, so the answer is yes. I can't promise you when we're going to do this, but some changes are easier than others. But wouldn't it be great at the very least to be able to show 
animation. The difference it would make to, their, to, to a hand cyclist live, seeing a hand cyclist avatar, I think would be, yeah. would be immense, absolutely immense. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going I'm to, if, if, if you give me as much time this time next year, we'll, we'll come back to that and yeah. see, see, okay. see if it's been done. Okay, <clears throat> I think you've answer, uh, answered a very interesting question about not jumping every time some loudmouth in the community makes a point. And, and I think there is some real validity in that. You, you'd been a constant state of flux if you, you know, acceded to every demand, some of which are crazy. I get, I get tagged a lot on <laughs> social media. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, the, the wider question, I think, Eric, is do you listen enough to the community? I mean, if you take a parallel... And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is a, 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 it may not be a particularly accurate parallel, but the Strava community in general is not a happy community because they're, they feel the company just does not listen to them and, and doesn't innovate. Um, and that, that might be a huge generalisation, but I think there's some real truth in that. Is there a danger that as Zwift grows and gets bigger and bigger that, that you, could, you could stop or appear to stop listening to the right, community? Right. So we definitely listen we're probably not very good at responding. Uh, we're definitely listening. You know, we have a whole team that you know, is keeping their ears on what they're... I mean, do you get a digest? I, I get it all the time. And I pick it up myself because I am, you know, I'm curious to hear what people have to say and I'm often tagged. Doesn't mean I respond to all these you know, posts, but when I think there's a problem, I make sure my team is aware of, of issues that I am concerned about. That makes it to the right people on the team. Now, I think we could do a better job of responding, you know, and it is the right place to respond on a Twitter and a tweet or on, you know, on Facebook. I'm not so sure about that. Um, but uh, we are definitely uh, listening. Um, we could do a better job of, of you know, responding or what in some cases. What form do you think that should take? Well, we're trying to move a lot of this stuff to the forum, right? I mean, we do have forums. But they're not widely, they're not terribly widely used. But that's a place where we can moderate. We don't, we don't, we don't own a lot of the Facebook groups. You know, those are not, those are community Facebook uh, uh, forums. And they're difficult to moderate. Whereas we have forums where you can, you know, vote and, and, all sorts of things. The other thing I have to bear in mind is like, you know, our staff is not comfortable putting their private identity, you know, in, in the social domain. That's not like, I can't force them to do that. I do that because, you know, I'm one of the, I'm one of the owners, but I'm not going to force people from our staff to put their public identity out there. Now we do have a public, um, uh, profile, but then it's almost impersonal. <laughs> so we, we, we do need to do more here. Is, so is there, some, is there some concrete work going on about how, how you address the community concerns and, and respond to them? There is discussion happening internally about how we deal with this um, and how we can get more involved with, with, uh, with the community, you know, the different platforms that, that exist. Um, yes. So the answer is yes, we need to do a better job and we need to figure out how to, how to best... Um, uh, deal with that but the other thing I would say is you know we if you look at the community it's, it's a very big community yeah. and there are different cohorts right cohorts that go back five years yeah, yeah. and cohorts that are three months right and their needs are different yeah. 
we need to do more and I don't have a solution for it. You know, how do we engage better and more effectively with the community? But that's that's an area that we need to solve. Yeah, got it. That's going on next year's list as well. Um, um, uh, let, let's move on to features. Um, uh, probably the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but one of the most kind of eye-catching and headline-grabbing innovations in Zwift has, has been steering. Uh, uh, internally, are you pleased with the way that's gone? Are there plans to extend it? We've done a ton of, um, of um, data gathering around steering. And bear in mind, we did steering with a mobile device that has drift issues. So... It, prob- it can't last more than a couple miles before it's drifting too much and you notice you're, you're kind of steering the wrong door, you know, off to the side. But we have enough data about what people enjoy and what's possible. And I think the real solution for, for steering is, is a hardware solution. We're working with partners who want to make that device for us. So I think steering is coming and I think it needs to be married with hardware that creates that experience. Um, it's another input, and it requires skill, um, and it's way more immersive. Like, you have to pay attention, right? Whereas you can kind of tune out when you're on Zwift because you're auto-steering, but when you're steering and you have to steer and it affects your performance, you are absolutely engaged, which is, I think that's the magic. Can we expect more from future works, which at the moment, excuse my rudeness, is future work, because he's, there's only yeah. steering in it. I mean, are we going to see more experimentation stuff rolled out? Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of the future work uh, is linked to hardware. And obviously, the, you know, turning around hardware is, is just slower. Um, so there's more there. And also, I think, um, I think even on the racing side, we could call it beta racing or we can call it future works. But... I think you'll see more experimentation on, on, on the racing side, including, you know, with every event, we can tweak the algorithm of drafting and all the other yeah. parameters. We haven't done enough of that, and we'll do more of that, because this is no different from video game, you know, esports, where there will be a team that wins everything. It's because they, they're particularly good at a particular skill. Super right. And so what the game, the, 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 the game authors will do is start tweaking it so that it gives advantage to others. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we could do as well. Yeah. So we've got the tools and we need to start experimenting. And I think it, we'll start seeing that in the community event, events. Again, I'm, I'm taking you back to last year. You'll never forgive me for this. It's, you, 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 you leave hostages to fortune. You'll, you'll snap your fingers and it happens question last year was... Ghost Riders or PB bots. Again, another much, much, much requested feature in the community. Where's it at, Eric? Yeah, it's just uh, from the product team's perspective, it's a, it's a lower priority. I mean, they're working on two really chunky projects, and this just is, is lower than the asks of the esports team and, and uh, those two big projects. Um, I do think <clears throat> they will come. Um, and uh, uh, I expect them to come in some shape or form. It might not be the ghosts that we're used to seeing, but uh, some sort of uh, drone or some some thing that you can track, I think is 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 uh, is definitely something we've we've discussed. But there are other things that I would love to do. Maybe even more important than that, I haven't told John this. Uh, maybe I have, but but you know what what excites me. As a, as a consumer 
as a user is to have to, to have a meetup on any map and then I can place sprints or KOMs wherever I want and then it can tally points with me for me so I can have a private ride with my buddies and we can have a nice gamified experience. Invent your own race format. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that yeah. is what I do in the real world. Sprint for the, we're sprinting for that next exactly. lamppost. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. that is, and, and not with random people, but people I know. And I think, I think that is, is, a, is a home run. So complexity and nuance and depth and immersion, these are all, they're all definitely coming. I'm, I'm not going to use the word, I'm not going to use the word soon, but you know. What's holding us back from doing all these things is we're in the process of moving lots of things that were are buried in, the, in the, the core product and moving it to the server where we can then serve it to the mobile app, to the web, to, it just gives us so much more flexibility. Boring architecture and engineering, which nobody sees, but no we'll, sees eventually the we'll see the benefits of. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, all right, we believe you. Can we, do you think world switching now could accommodate a choice of two guest maps rather than just one? I mean, I think we're probably already at the peak. And so I think for this winter, we, we should be okay with, with, uh, with one. Um, we do allow you to go to the other maps via events. Yeah. That already happens. Uh, by, by next year, absolutely, we'll probably have, we'll have a second. Um, and, um, you know, There's maybe, no reason you can't. No, no, there's nothing stopping us from doing more. Uh, you know, one of the things that we care a lot about is that social density. And so it's nice knowing you've got two maps. There's always you know, in excess of a thousand people on, on these maps. And when it gets busy, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, I think what we don't want is a map with just a few hundred. But I, I, think, you, I think you can be bold enough and mature enough now to take a, take a risk on that, can't you? Uh, we, we could, but um, again, we, we give you the ability to go, you know, to the other maps via events. Many people, Eric, feel that workout mode is, is a little bit unloved. Um, but incredibly popular. I mean, whenever I'm on Swift, I you know I make a habit of looking about who's doing a workout and who's doing free ride, and there are a million people doing <laughs> doing workouts. I mean, it's really really popular, but it doesn't feel as though it's had much love. Yeah, and it's interesting. We've done some research. People come to Swift for um, for training, and so they naturally fall into like get into a program and. Um, there's definitely a lot more we can do on the workout side. Um, it is, uh, so the answer to that is yes, there's, there's more, there's more content. I think there are more features that we can roll out. There's some interesting ideas about what you can do with, uh, with workouts. I mean, the, the notion that you can take your workouts everywhere is something that we'd like to deliver on, you know, outside, inside, maybe even without the game, you know? And just keep it really simple. <clears throat> we want to localize the content. Right now, all the content is in English, but you know we have customers from 100, 200 different countries, so you know we want to make it available in all the popular languages. So there's a lot we can do. Um, so just just by localizing the content will drive much more interest. But but do you concede that workout mode it certainly yeah. appears to look unloved? Uh, by by the company. I mean, it, it kind of landed there, and then there's not been much big or new or different. You know, a few new training plans get added, but yeah. but given the, the the level of participation in workout mode, it 
feels as though it's not had as much love as some other areas. When, yeah. when actually a lot of people say, you know what, if it was just a little bit better, I'd, I'd, I'd sack off my, my, um, my other subscription, you know, to that other platform. Yeah, I think, I think uh, those comments have more to do with content than it is about the actual features, right? And I think we need to do both. Uh, there's this, people have this concept that if I have a library of thousands of workouts that there's more value then that may not be true, but like, you know, people, people are conditioned to think that more is better. (laughs) And so we need to solve that problem, that, you know, issue. And the other is like the feature set. um, I think we're largely there. Yeah, of course we can refine and do more and we can be more innovative. The answer is yes to both. I think we, we do need to do more. I'm just being honest with you. I, yeah, we need to have more content. We need to enhance the features around it. We need to make uh, workouts available wherever you go. You know, to nail down the CEO on one specific gripe about one area of the game seems a little bit unfair, but I'm going to do it on this occasion because, again, it is, I think it's the most requested thing on, on feature requests, and certainly it's long-running, and it really does appear absolutely mad in 2020 that you've got to close the game to do something different. I mean, just what, what is the reason for that, Eric? Why, why, can you, why can you not save a ride and then go on and do another ride without restarting the game? I mean, it, it uh, just seems, yeah. to many people, it just seems bonkers. Yeah. And irritating. So, um, this UI project that we've been working on will finally solve that problem. Oy. Okay, um, so that's good news. Uh, and we didn't want to make this change knowing that this was coming. So unfortunately, that's like a year in the making, right? It's, it feels like we're not dealing with it, but we are via the new interface. Now, having said that, I bet you 98% of the people who, you know, when they're done with their workout or race, they're ready to leave. It's the 2% that are super vocal <laughs> wanting to do, I want to do a, my second hour, right? Or my third hour, you know? I want to do a race, a workout, and then a free ride. <laughs> That is a tiny, tiny portion, but I get it. They're, they're, you know, these are the the, the hardcore customers who, who. Um, well, they are, but but I think the the, the broader point, Eric, yeah. is one of perception that so much software that we use in our everyday lives now is just it's so smart, it's yeah. so intuitive, it kind of does what you expect it to do most of the time without you really having to think about it. Whereas this this thing doesn't. Yeah, I think I. I agree. Um, so what do we do as, as cyclists, for example, after we're done with the ride? We kind of hang around and banter about, right? And so we need to recreate that experience. We need to allow people to go somewhere where they can kind of finish their, you know, activity. And so we, we need to create that experience. Um, we can't serve coffee, but we should be able to have that social experience at the end of a ride. And we lack that at the moment. So when you're done with the race, boom, everyone's gone. You disappear from the race. <laughs> I can't even talk to the person who I just finished. Yeah. Right. So I think that is an area of improvement that we absolutely need to make. Could, could, that, could, could is that legislated to be part of club functionality? Or, or? Uh, it's uh, club. You, you could take it definitely into the club functionality. Um, that would make sense. I mean, I think a better thing to do is you link it back to the event and then you can have a thread to the event. Um, 
or you could just take them into a chat room while you're still in the game so they can you know I think the, the natural place to, to engage is on, the, on, on your mobile app anyway so like even if you're exited the game allow that you know social activity to ha- happen on your mobile so these are all things that we um, we know we, we can do better Again, this is a hardy perennial. This is definitely, this is definitely the fifth time I've asked you this. And actually, to, to be forensic, yeah. your answer has changed over the years. Okay. So, you know, I'm not, even if we get an answer this time, I'm not sure I'm going to take it as gospel. But, you know, I've kind of got, it's a tradition, I have to ask this question. Okay. Velodrome, yes or no, Eric? Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, the thing about the velodrome um, is you need steering. And I think once you have steering, then I think it opens up the possibility. Because without steering, it's just not fun. Um, and, you know, a running track is different, right? Because, uh, but I would say once we nail the steering, then the velodrome or our version of a velodrome could be pretty interesting. That's a good answer because it's neither a yes nor a no. Yeah. No, I would like it, but I think you need you, you need the steering because then you can you can play with the effects of like how hard you steer could drive the yeah exactly like to me that would be fun. Okay, uh, we're nearly there. Um, on to, on to the the kind of last. The, the, I did have some more questions about esports, but actually I think we've actually covered esports in in pretty good depth throughout the rest of the interview and. Not every, everybody is as interested in it as, as you and I are, actually. So let's, 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 well, I'm going to ask one question. Sure. I am just going to ask one further question on esports. Um, can remote racing, I'm not talking about the, the televised, the streamed, the big high profile events. I'm talking about events that ordinaries wish to take part in. Do you think, let's call that remote racing rather than you know land racing all, all together in one in one place do you think remote racing can ever be credible when there are so many ways to cheat yes i think it can be and that's by improving the hardware right making sure that the hardware is whitelisted you know we could in theory allow only certain trainers of certain category you know, to participate. Yeah, and we, we could do that now, but this goes back to your, your perceived right. timidity as a company. Right. right, and well, and then we have different tiers. Like, look, you can have, um, it's like wrestling, right? <laughs> you, you can have the one that's fueled by all sorts of drugs, free for all, and then you've got one that's more regulated. So I think, I think for, for a first-time racer, you just you just take down the barriers, remove as much friction, let them come in and enjoy themselves. Take it more seriously, then the, you, you, you increase the requirements. Right. So what we're really talking about, we need a league, and we need the rules and regulations for each categories, the hardware requirements that goes with it, the transparency in in the weight, and and then you know at the at the highest level, you've got doping tests, right? So to enter an event, you may have to say, you might have to tick four boxes. One of them might be, I've got a Neo, or, you know, I've, I've submitted a, a, a we'll weigh-in weigh video. But we'll know you have a Neo, Neo right? Something, yeah. something yeah. like that. Something, something like, something, uh, of that order. Is Swift the best people, or do you want to be in the position of administering that, which seems to me to be pretty complex? Yeah, so we want to be the platform. So we want to build a tool so that we can then allow other people to create these leagues. League owners, event owners, federations, 
We simply want to be the platform. We don't need to own all of this stuff. That's what we need to, that's the end state. And if we're doing all this ourselves, it's an investment. It's not because we want to do it going into the future. There are people who, who can do a much better job at this than we can. Interesting. I mean, I, I see that as a model working. I mean, you know, in, in some ways, it's back to the very, very early days of Swift, where, you know, the event organizer said, let's, let's all meet on the line and everybody stays behind the rider in red until go, yes. you know. You know, I think we're going to have to invest in creating this verification system, okay? That's machine learning, it's clever, it, it just, you know, I don't know exactly how we're going to implement this, but this is the concept that we have in mind. And once we build this, um, it should be available to the community as well. It's not limited to, you know, sanctioned events. This is kind of an esports question, actually, and kind of a question that you may not feel able to answer, but a question that's been asked by the community. Lots of speculation about when or what a new map might be. And there's kind of quite a lot of roots to thinking that a new map might be linked to the Tokyo Olympics. What can you tell it's us? A good guess. What, well, it's not, you know, you can see the, the boulevards that lead to the Arc de Triomphe on that one, can't you? I mean, what can you say about it? It's that? a pretty good guess. Well, it would be a fine place to go. I, I, I find it really interesting um, that people spend money buying digital assets, right? Digital goods. And I see no difference why people wouldn't invest in, in digital destinations. And I think as a digital destination, it's a fine place to take people. Is that answering your question? I think, you know that. <laughs> I think, you know that. I think it's probably as much as you're going to say, and I, I'm taking that as a pretty broad hint, verging on a, on a yes for that. Okay, last section of the interview, I call this kind of blue sky stuff. And so there, this is stuff that's not really fitted in any, anywhere else, but I'd, I'd like to hear what you're going to say about it. When do you see Zwift becoming a profitable company? Um, I think... Uh, we can be profitable very, you know, in, in the next year or two. It, it's a question of um, do we do we want to continue investing forward or not? Um, but I think we're not that far off. Because, as you've said quite a bit throughout this, actually, this conversation, the foundations are now built. I mean, you don't presumably see the headcount doubling in the next year. No, 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 no. I think that you know, this year is about betting in the 150 people that we layered on, and it's about driving efficiency within the company, um, and we can deliver a lot more uh, as a team going forward. Um, so it's not about, I think, you know, we're still making investments, whether it's, it's the hardware, it's eSports, um, but the biggest investment that we're making is still in the core product. It's all about the product. Okay, and on product, how patient will you be with running? I think what running is lacking is what cycling lacked many years ago with a dumb trainer. Exactly. So what is the smart trainer for the treadmill, right? What is that smart treadmill? And you know, we have ideas about what that is. And this goes back to us innovating to show the rest of the industry what they could be making. The same thing could be said about the rowing machine. And so this is what the, the hardware division is set up to do, is like, let's create those hero products so that people can see what this experience could be. Because I think it's a huge market. So the hardware 
division's role, uh, I mean, let's let's have, address this in tangible terms. It might not be to build a smart treadmill, but it might be to perhaps develop a partnership with a treadmill manufacturer that says, you know, you could shift lots of these treadmills if yeah. you did X, Y, and Z, but, and we can both. show you that. It could be both. Yeah, yeah, it could be both. Because uh, that industry exists. You know, in the U.S., I think they're, you know, if you look at commercial and um, uh, residential, like almost a million treadmills are sold into the, it, it, you know, into the market. It's a lot of treadmills, and I don't know what people are using those treadmills for, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us to, you know, create content and make those uh, devices uh, far more interesting to, to use the way it's, you know, I think we've helped to do with, with, with cycling. So I think the answer to the question about how patient you're prepared to be is quite... Yes, quite, I mean, quite, it's quite patient. The, the whole market around fitness in the home is just at the beginning, right, of, of that um, growth curve. So I think... Um, you know, the growth is there. It's probably more there than, than it is in the, in the studio space. So we're pretty, pretty excited. Running is massive. Uh, I'm not a runner, but I find running, it, it, it's a bit of escapism because uh, although I'm not an outdoor runner, when I get on Zwift, I feel like I'm a runner, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Because that inspires me to get on the treadmill and run and get my 5K or 10K in. And I think if, if that works for me, imagine those who are not active at all and think that they could be a cyclist. Yeah. They have no interest, perhaps, in going outdoors, but that's enough to keep them active. I think we'd be serving our mission if, if, if that was true. Just thinking about this whole, you know, the growth curve of digital fitness or fit, fitness at home, your competition, your direct competition. I'm not talking about Peloton here because they're, they are, they're a different company marketing to different people in a different way. But the direct competition, we probably don't need to name names, but, but why not? I mean, you know, um, um, uh, VirtuGo is dead. RGT is not really showing much traction. CV Arcade is, doesn't have many users. You don't really have much proper direct competition in your, in your core product area. Is there a risk that this makes you complacent as a company? So um, competition is good. It's good for everyone. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us, um, it gives me a reason to tell our product team why we have to keep innovating. <laughs> um, and I do think Peloton is, while not a direct competitor, they're a reference. They're, they're the kind of company we could be in our space and so our competition is pace, is a speed at which we can, you know, scale our business, grow our business, grow our user base. So um, but although, the thing with the, but, but the thing with the lack of no direct competition, yeah. Eric, is you haven't got, ooh, uh, they've just launched this feature that we really should have had a year ago. Do you know what I mean? There's nobody really banging on your door or breathing down your neck. I mean, so that. That pressure kind of has to come in turn. Yeah, I, from a feature set perspective, that could be the case. But if you think as an example, like, oh, they nailed the whole onboarding. Like, we need to do that. Or, you know, that experience with the hardware, they nailed that. We need to do that as well. So that's competition. That's the way we look at it. Slightly more bigger picture, not feature set. Um, but... Um, uh, yeah, those are the guys we should be aspiring to, to you know, to, to, to match. 
But but the danger of complacency within the company culture, that's not something you've identified as a, as a risk? No, no. I mean, we... Uh, time is of the essence you know this is this is a this is not a hobby you know we're we're all here because we want to see this business grow Uh, we want to serve as many customers millions of customers and that doesn't happen without hard work Uh, we're not complacent of course we could do better across the board um, and we definitely feel pressure absolutely this is Yes, for many and for all of us, this could be a lifestyle business, but it's not without pressure um, uh, that we create for ourselves because we want to be successful. 350 people whose livelihoods you're now kind of responsible for. Yeah. So that, that in itself is, a, is, is a, a responsibility, I'd say. Again, a, a, a traditional question on this interview. Every, every year I've asked you, and it's such a crude measure, this, and it kind of gets devalued, really, but for marks out of 10 in terms of Zwift fulfilling its potential, last year it, it had got up to 4.5. Where, where do you think we are now? I think we've uh, stayed flat, uh, honestly. Yeah, because I think, uh, I think onboarding a lot of people really slowed us down. Uh, we are doing more, but the output has come, come off as well in some areas. Um, but I think these are just the, uh, you know, we've planted the seeds and I think you'll start seeing the fruits of all that work coming out in the next, in the, in the next year. Um, it's, it's not realistic to think that you can double your staff and get the, double the, yeah. the output. It's yeah. just, like I said before, I think it, it you know, it reduced our, our, our overall output in, in, the, in the short term. Um, but it's, it's a, it was a necessary investment that we wanted to make now. I, I think we, we trod a similar path on architecture and engineering, actually. I mean, I think maybe two or three years ago, we'd perhaps we sat here talking about how annoyed people were when, <laughs> when the platform fell over. That, that, boring, just, that, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anymore, does it? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's right. It doesn't happen. And, you know, we're, um, we're promoting uh, uh, Andre Greipel's ride that's happening this Saturday. Um, and, you know, we are prepared to donate up to $10,000 a dollar for everyone who completes the ride. We have almost 6,000 people signed up for the event. I hope 10,000 people show up because I know we can handle it. <laughs> a bit of a personal hobby horse of mine, actually, but it is shared by millions and millions of people. What is or should Zwift be doing to reduce its carbon footprint? Okay, so I don't have a very good answer to f- uh, for that because we're not directly um, addressing it um, and I think we should but having said that everything that Zwift stands for is about doing things in the home yeah. right yeah. and that in itself helps to reduce that has a bigger impact than us doing anything creating a service that encourages people to to be more active from home rather than getting in a car and meeting your friends and, <laughs> you know, and, and riding outdoors. So from that perspective, we're, we're contributing, but directly um, there's, there's, there's more we can do. We have, we have our offices in, in many so different countries. We travel by, by air. Um, it's, it would be impossible to do by ship. <laughs> yeah. Is it a responsibility you accept, though, as a company in 2020? Do, do, you, do, you, do you feel that... I mean, the pressure is building, not only from customers, you have no shareholders, but the pressure is building on, on companies and lead sector leaders, which I would suggest you are, 
to really be seen to be doing something. Is, is, is that something you accept now as, a, as something the company does have to demonstrate some leadership in? Yeah, yeah I, I have to be very honest with you. It's not something that's been on my radar um, because we're such a small company. Um, but it's something that I, you know, it's something you can ask me a year from now. Eric, as ever, you've been fantastically generous with, with your time. Um, and I'll say to Zwiftus, if you, if you listened all the way through to this, you've had what I would consider to be a very enlightening, detailed background set of information about why certain things happen and why certain things haven't happened. I think the only thing I'd say to you in closing is, and I think you acknowledged this during the interview, that, that for more Zwifters to hear that more often, I think will be incredibly useful for the community. But then I'm kind of cutting my own throat because this is such a valuable episode of the Zwiftcast. It's, it's always one of the most frequently downloaded and I know it's, it's, it's well listened to. So uh, I should just thank you for continuing to make yourself available. Um, not all CEOs would do this. Uh, and you've answered all of the questions without hesitation, repetition or deviation, I hope. Um, thanks very much indeed, Eric, for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Simon. Right on. 